Hello again, it's Neil Curran here with the Neil Plus One podcast. Thanks again for all your comments and feedback uh, from last week's show. Uh, lots of fun doing it, and as always, I appreciate the comments and the sharing. This week, uh, we head to Europe to speak with Kaiser Koga from Finland. And I was performing with Kaiser at the Phoenix Improv Festival earlier this year in the wonderful, incredibly hot and ridiculously sweaty Arizona heat. But that festival is wonderful, so uh, I highly recommend it. And I had a great chat with Kaiser about all things improv and some of the things she's been doing, so I hope you enjoy it. Hello. Welcome. Hi, Kaiser. Hi, Neil. Uh, we're here, I'm here with Kaiser Koka. And we are here in Phoenix, some all places beside the pool recording this. So, um, Kaiser, we're here at the Phoenix Improv Festival. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, it's Friday afternoon and we've been working with the International Ensemble for the whole week. Uh, and we have our first performance tonight. We do. Um, so tell us a little bit about your... You get around a lot. I do. You go every, you've been everywhere nearly. And tell us a bit about your improv background. Well, the way I so I started doing scripted theatre when I was nine years old, and after ten years, um, they there was a competition in my hometown. Uh, it was a storytelling competition, and two guys came in from another city, and they won it and became second in it. And they were both really good. And I, I went to talk with them afterwards, and they were like, "Yeah, we do improvised theatre in the in the town that they were in." And so I got interested in improvised theatre and when I moved into that town and applied to be a part of that theatre company and that was almost 13 years ago. And so that's how I got introduced and then it kind of sucked me in. And you you run run your theatre space in Finland? Yeah, we got our own uh, training centre that opened this January actually and it's like a pioneer thing since we don't have Finnish Finnish, uh, improv training centre in Finland from before. Yeah. So how do you find time to run a training centre and travel? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. At this point, I'm not travelling as much as I'd like to, but I hope that when we get the tra- like everything running and we got more teachers and we got more students and we got like the organisation going on, then I have more time to travel again as well. So we first met at uh, Improv Best Art last mm-hmm. year, um, and you have a particular, you, your approach to improv is quite interesting. <laughs> Uh, I guess because of how you learn. So talk to us a little bit about you know, your style of improv and your preferred method of play and things like that. Well, I um, I suppose that it has something to do with the uh, the theatre theatre background that I have personally, and also that is which is a very big influence in Europe, all in all. Um, and so, what I'm interested in is uh, meaningful relationships. And that's something that I want to see on stage. And that's something that I find that is lacking a lot of times. So um, the way I approach improvised theater is is that there are people who have a relationship between each other and whatever it is and how, how fun or how tragic or anything in between that is, that's, that's what is being uh, explored in that moment. Great. So, with your travels, you're kind of being exposed to a lot of styles and approaches to improv, both in North America and in Europe. So, talk to me a little bit about that. What, what are you seeing? How are you interpreting the improv scene globally? <clears throat> well, I find that there is um, that there is well, 
there is much more variety um, in the the system at, um, in Europe uh, than there is at the United States, in my opinion. Uh, in my opinion, and I think that there is uh, more physicality, maybe, in the, especially in the Southern Europe. But then, on the other hand, there is like. Um, Southern America, for example, has their own totally own uh, improv genre, and like a big, like a huge, huge uh, part of the improv world is there, and it's not usually even exposed or being uh, contributed to the the whole thing. Obviously, basically, um, I think for for language reasons, but also otherwise. So I think that it's actually quite interesting how different, how much, how many different things there are out there. But then we get to see quite a little. Um, aspect of that so we're being rudely interrupted by a garbage <laughs> truck I think even though we're like a few stories off the ground so I think it would be wise for us to pause right now and continue in a moment there'll be no interruption for our listeners okay we're b- <laughs> they heard that we're back now <laughs> we're hoping that this is a bit easier because we had to move from the pool so our scenic podcast has was, has been now turned into a lobby um, so, what is it you think that um, what is it you think that European improv, the evolution of the scene, is doing for the art? The way I see it is like mm, this is my actually what I think about uh, improvised theatre. All in all, is that we have and our audiences have quite uh, a simple, like not simple, but like a one-sided. Um, idea of what the improvised theatre can be and that's what is shown in television or in in short form uh, gamey kind of uh, formats that we do for audiences that come in to see comedy which is great and which is okay I totally fine but what I feel like the like what, what the European European um, improv field can do and is doing uh, at the moment and will continue to do and grow hopefully is that it will widen and broaden the area, the whole area and the field of improvised theatre and so this will actually make a huge and good addition to the art form itself when we have so many different ways of playing improvised theatre. Cool. And what is it though from your own perspective though, what is it that you think is making it so magic? Because you have so many different approaches and styles in improv, you know, people who just go for game and the laughs versus those who are theatrical. So what is it about it, though, that, that sucks us all in and makes us want to do it? Well, as, as a performer perspective in, instead of the audience perspective, well, yeah? Let's, well, are you able to distinguish between well, the performers well, and your audience? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what I'm thinking is, like, as a, as a performer, and for, as for me individually, it is the... Compared to scripted theatre, it's the, it's the um, element of surprise... Uh, in a way since we don't know what is going to happen and it's going to be different every time it is truly so if we really commit to what we're doing um, so that's for me is like when I go and see scripted theatre nowadays um, I'm lacking and I'm missing the the actual like the real reactions for example and that's something that I find so amazing in improvised theatre is that it feels like it's real at that time and it's there only for that time and then it's gone so that's mm. that's that for me is the, is the magic yeah so um, what's it like running a training centre when you're the first training centre in 
your country? Or well, we're first, yes, we were the first. There is one training center before us, and that is an English uh, speaking training center. Oh, so you're teaching in Flemish? In Flemish, <laughs> yes, I am doing Finnish, that as well. Yeah. Yes, we're teaching both in Finnish and English, but there has not been a training center in Finland before that is uh, providing improv classes in Finnish. And how it's like, oh, um, it's exciting it's uh, super stressful <laughs> it's like we're still kind of like in the beginning of this process but I'm so thrilled that we finally have the possibility to or uh, to um, give the chance for people anyone at all who who's interested in uh, in doing improvised theater in any particular reason uh, to come and and, and enjoy uh, and join us to do it and so what was it like then transitioning from being And I'm going to put it crudely, being an artist to being a business person. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I'm not an... You know, so this is something that I'm I'm, I'm trying to uh, learn all the time, more and more. And obviously in our business we got people who know more about that side of it as well. But it has been very educating for me, for sure. And... It's wonderful that I don't. I have not had to transition only to become a business person, so I still have the possibility to be an artist as well. So you, you teach at a lot of festivals and you perform, and we're here in Phoenix for the wonderful Phoenix Improv Festival. It's my first time here as well. So what attracted you to this festival? Because I'm curious, because you, you get a lot of people who are just like, no, I'm just going to go to teach, or if they're international, I feel, well, I need to pay, I need to make ends meet, so I need you know to substitute, subsidize it. It's been a long week, so we're slurring our words. <laughs> um, so, what was it in particular about this festival that attracted? Because you didn't come over with your with your uh, with a group or with your duo. So, what was it that made you want to come here? Well, I was in Phoenix last summer. Since last year, I was traveling around the world for eight months, doing improv in different countries and different places. And I got to come to Phoenix and teach and perform here with the local people, uh, improvisers here. And they were absolutely brilliant. All of them, I really, really enjoyed the atmosphere and the the scene, the improv scene here. And so then, when I got the chance, well, last year I got the chance, and I heard about the festival and that they're making this international ensemble for the first time. I got really intrigued, and they were asking me, "Do you should apply?" for it and, blah, blah, blah. and then I was like oh but it's so far away and it's a costly thing and so then I went to Ireland and then I met you and you said yeah you should go to the festival <laughs> and then I applied for it. Yeah, yeah yeah no but uh, I think that it's super important for especially for us uh, improvisers who will do a lot of teaching um, to go and learn from other people and do things uh, as a group as well instead of being in charge of some sort of process. Yeah, and I mean, so obviously I'm part of that ensemble as well and it's an interesting approach and I think we're the first. Like mixer shows are big in Europe. We don't see a lot of them. We don't see a lot. That sounds like we own it. Uh, I guess I haven't come across a lot of them in the US at festivals. It's more kind no. of Europe is driving yeah. that. And they're wonderful. Like people rave about it. And, and this is even, this is more... This adds an extra layer to it because we're we're kind of devising a show with strangers. Yeah. But we're not really devising, we're working together. Because our process has been, let's be honest, we've kind of started with a blank sheet with this process. But it's been very rewarding. Certainly for me it's been very rewarding and hopefully for everyone else. Oh for sure. Um but any comment around like how that what that has done to you know, because we're we're not we're talking about beginners here, like the people who are part of this ensemble are experienced, some are teachers who are in their own thing in their own cities. So what do you, I guess, what's your expectation of the show? What are we doing for the festival? I know I could answer this, but you're being interviewed. And so what, you know, what's your thoughts around that? 
Well, uh, for me, the most in- interesting part, and that that which was also the most intriguing for me in order to come here at first place, was the fact that we actually do have improvisers coming in from totally different uh, countries and throughout the whole world, and with very a very uh, different backgrounds. And so, what I love about this process is like we've come together and we've had the chance to get to know each other as improvisers and work together. And all of us have had the possibility to have an input on the the uh, ensemble work and now what we're going to do tonight and tomorrow is the mixture of like these different backgrounds and the mixture of the of the way we work and what we do and so I'm super excited to see how we and I'm sure that we are going to do something different than than any of the other groups on first we're talking about this now before we've done it and when this podcast comes out it will be long over yeah uh, it could suck and no one will ever invite us back (laughs) It won't, it won't. It's kind of it great. won't. It'll be, it'll be great. It'll be great. Um, and it's fun, like, I mean, you know, we were talking uh, about festivals there the other day ourselves. Like, uh, festivals have exploded. They're almost like corner shops now in yeah. improv. You know, they're everywhere. Yeah. And um, I guess one of the things I kind of think we're seeing with festivals, particularly in Europe, is like, oh, there's a new festival in New Cool City. Let's all go there. Everyone gravitates towards it. And then people are like, oh, I've done that before. And then they go to the new next cool city. Yep. And each cool city goes from thinking they're the best improv festival in the world to like, oh, shit, now we have to you know, make people want to come to our festival. Um, so I guess we're going to see a maturing of festivals and ways to innovate. So any, any thoughts around that? Well... I feel that it's very important. I, I think that it's super important that we have this in pro festivals because they're basically at this point at least the only forum where we can meet uh, improvisers from different countries and get the influence and see the different kind of improv and have the talks and and um, discuss about things and kind of um, move towards um, similar like. A mutual goals, so to speak. And for example, when we were at the, we were in fest- on a festival in Uppsala in Sweden about a month ago, and we, the teachers on that festival, we we started to work on on a, on an idea of like bringing the the improv scene in Europe together, even even more than it is now, since it's, they're all in different cities and different countries, and they have their own thing. That how could we kind of like progress in that kind of way but what I'm uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, I think that they have a very in, uh, important role mm. but it's true what you said and I think I, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm interested in seeing how this will develop in the future and now there's already they're making changes in how to uh, approach the festivals and where to apply and where you get an invite and where you like things like this mm. um, but I don't really know what to what to answer to your question, really? Yeah, we're, yeah, it's, we're kind of seeing. I think Arlen McGovern puts calls it the conference model of festivals, where there is people that are being invited now to teach. Right. I'm talking specifically Europe because I know the US has been doing this for a long time. And um, people are being invited to teach, and it, it kind of it, it kind of begs the question: Then are we doing the whole teachers on a pedestal thing again? Yep. And you know, everyone, you know, we, for every corner shop, there's there's a teacher. And to be honest, like I, I need to say that when I was at the Impro Fest Ireland last year for the first time, and it was a wonderful festival, and 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 it paid the performers, and that's something that I feel like uh, is something that we should work to uh, towards too. Like at this point, as you said uh, and pointed out, is like we have this idea of impro- like the teachers are the most <laughs> valued assets of the whole, and obviously, of course, we need teachers. Uh, we do, we need, we do need instructors, but but we what, but. But the people who are doing the art form and who are um, performing 
two audiences. Yeah. They, they should be recognized in the same kind of yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, I always had that view from the start, and Orla shared that view then as well. Mm. Um, what, you know, do we put, as improvisers, do we put a value on our art? Mm. Because you, an audience will go to a show, they'll pay in if there's a cover charge, so drink a beer or they'll have a mineral or whatever it is. And then the performers will kind of turn up, do their thing, go home and not get, necessarily yep. get paid. In, I'd say, most improv theatres around the world. Are we, do we put a value on our art form as performers? Does that change how we view our art form because we don't get that monetary value to it? Or does it make any difference at all? Mm. Yeah, I, I find that a very, very interesting question. I don't have an answer to that, for sure. So you just go do homework and come back and answer <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. How to, no, no. Uh, but that's, I think that that's something that we need to, well, personally, I feel that that's something that we need to to work towards if, if that's something that we if we want to be uh, uh, professional improvisers and do our th- do our art, art we we are supposed to get paid for what we do obviously and look how do you think that was perceived outside of the performing room so again we're from countries where improv is not necessarily viewed as an art form no. And and we have the same challenges of trying to get funding for events, for right. festivals, for things like that. So do you think that that then has a knock-on impact to the bodies that we are trying to get recognition? I very much hope so. And in Finland, the situation is like this. We, this January 2017, we uh, we founded an organization for all of the professional improv theaters of Finland. And this is our biggest aim at the moment. It's like to get improvised theater to be recognized as an art form. And when we work together, instead of having this, it's the same situation and in, than in Europe all in all. And I feel like that's something that we should work towards is to combine uh our strengths and then then try and make a change in that idea and what i'm hoping to see in finland for example in a few few years or, or maybe a few more years but still to have the possibility to have the government to uh fund fund the the art form and have it in a, in schools yeah because when you look at an, like like theater is huge in ireland and you can go to our you know our our staple theaters and i imagine the age profile I am generalizing here. Probably going to answer a lot of trouble, but the age profile is probably uh, you know younger. The bigger numbers, um, but when you go to an improv show, the, the the age profile is a lot younger, and you know it's what I call the Smittix effect. If you don't earn conscious of that as a as an industry, then your customers die, and then you don't have customers anymore. Um, so you know it's it's something that you know it, it's going to catch up, I guess, on theater. Because we fell in love with theatre from a young age. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a stronger medium than cinema than TV. Yes, we have wonderful cinema and TV, but the the feeling of sitting in a space, uh, you know, within touching distance, metaphorically mm-hmm. of the of the performers, regardless of whether it's scripted or not scripted, um, you know, and being part of that experience. And of course, improv the joy is that we're all on that journey together, cast and an audience. So I guess I. I don't even know if that's a question, because maybe that's a question. <laughs> maybe we don't know how to market ourselves outside of the improv world. Mm. Yes, I think that's true. 
and that's something that we we would need. I don't know. For me, it's like at this point, the way I see improvised theatre all in all is like my goal and my the idea behind this, in addition to marketing uh, improvised theatre as an art form and get audiences to come and see it, would be the possibility, all the possibilities that lie within this way of working in 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 a lot of different things and the way we see the world when we are when we are introduced to improvised theatre. And that's something that I would like to do more is to be able to provide people with this uh, these elements of um, life coaching <laughs> or whatever life coaching, yeah. life coaching through improv yeah yeah, yeah it, it is like we it's still a young art form it's yeah. been around a very long time mm-hmm. because it's constantly growing and evolving into what it is you often see on the, on the forums online like Facebook has become the communication medium of improv. Yeah. You often see the discussion around, well, what do we call it? Do we call it improv? Some people call it comedy improv, improvised theatre. Mm-hmm. One person said they don't even call it improv, they call it spontaneous theatre. And what's your thoughts around that? Well, uh, obviously there is like a, there's history around this, how this being uh, said in different countries and, and in different um um, cultures, but the 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 idea is uh, for me. I think well, I call it improvisational theatre, and that's uh, I think that theatre uh, can ha- have um, it's a broader way of ex- explaining it than comedy, for example, which I've personally resent uh, to some extent since we we don't only do comedy and we don't mainly do even comedy yeah. in at, at least in my company at Infinite. Yeah. But I I don't know it's. Um, I think that the most important thing is that the people who will hear that this is improvisational theatre, this is improv, this is improv, this is spontaneous theatre, whatever, that they will get somehow the feel of what it is. And because still, very often it's like, oh, that's stand-up, is it stand-up or whatever, like, come, like so that we will we would be able to let people know about what it is that we're doing. Yeah. So let me ask you. Do I don't it. think I've asked anyone this question. Well, what makes a good improv teacher? As she sucks on her whiskey. <laughs> it's not whiskey, it's water. Okay. Uh, hi, Mum. Uh, no. Uh, what makes a good improv teacher? Um, I think what makes an improv a good improv teacher is the um, the willingness. Um, and uh, some sort of um, knowledge and experience to um, to guide other like to be I would, how would I say this to if someone else is on a journey and if you can help them like for example they need uh, there is a there is a road and the, the road has like a roadblock or something and they need like a few steps to get over this roadblock and then continue on their way maybe the teacher can you know assist with that little little thing because they can be the part person who can see it maybe a, a bit uh, from from afar and they will be able to uh, to assist with these little things, not that they. And this is what I'm also a teacher by profession. Like I'm a primary school and music teacher, and I did a lot of education studies uh, for a long time. And I feel that our job is not to pour knowledge on someone else, but our job is to be there to facilitate situations where you can explore things. Yeah, it's an educational thing, like, you know, constructivism, where people learn the way that they learn. You know, yeah. they learn. Uh, in their own way and we're there to kind of, yeah. yeah. And also I want to add, a good improv teacher is someone, in my perspective, is someone who is 
humble enough and doesn't want to do it for wrong reasons. What are the wrong reasons? Well, I'd say mm, just, I don't know, mm, the wrong reasons. Uh, I would rather so, um, I don't know, like if you want to show off, for example, instead of actually be willing to help the, and to be able to and willing to help the people that you work with and and be there with them like as uh, what is what this art form is really about all in all I feel cool so you're a teacher um, anything you've been working on recently teaching wise or a habit you're seeing or something you've been enjoying doing uh, lately I have three different uh, big themes that I've been working on uh, intimacy in improv uh, improvised theatre romantic love intimacy and sex uh, in improvised theatre which is usually seen as like it becomes a gag or a, or a funny thing or we just kind of like wimp out as uh, so how can we do this uh, believably and then there's the silent work, which I love, even though you would not believe it because I totally usually talk you quite talk a lot. Yeah, a lot. I do talk a lot, but not as, mu- as much as you do. So I don't talk much. You do, actually, very <laughs> much. Well, anyways, uh, so silent things. How can we be... What, our mouth is very small and our body is super big compared to our mouth. Why don't we use the body more and the mouth a bit less? That's the second thing. And the third one is our audience connection. And that, for me, is very interesting work at the moment um, since... Usually what we see in improvised theatre is like we go inside, we ask the audience for a suggestion and we run with it and we don't care about the audience after the first time when we ask them in the beginning and then we just do our show and then at the end we're like, thanks for coming to watch this. So what the work that I'm working on is right now is like how can we actually invite the audience in and let them be part of the whole experience and become active storytellers themselves. Cool. And one last question. Because Please I, um, do it. Uh, a show that you've seen recently that you really love, really inspire you. It's not a popular. It's not a popularity question. What something you've seen that you've enjoyed? It can't be something you're involved in. It can be international oh. ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, as I mentioned before, I was at the Swedish festival in Uppsala uh, called Svimp. That's the name of the festival the last month, and there was a. Um, a uh, group of uh, improvisers, uh, their name is Dramatiska, and they're from Stockholm, Sweden, and they did an improvised Wes Anderson. And it was, it was, I don't want to swear, but it was amazing. And, and, and it really did blow my mind. They were, blew my mind, sorry. They were, oh my gosh, they were brilliant, and they were so committed. They were so, okay, this is what I want to say. People, if you do improvised theatre, you need to practice. You need to rehearse. It's not like when you re- when you reach a certain point, then you can just do shows. No, go and go and do a lot of work because they had done so much work, and that could be seen. And everyone in the audience was like, "Oh my, sh-. Yeah. yeah, that was cool." Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Yes, yes. This is what we need to do. Yes, uh, Kaiser Koga, Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Neil.